And, you know, one of the songs that Michael was singing to us was uh, weeping, no weeping in heaven. And, uh, man, I think of that, and I think of that verse, excuse me, I think of that verse in, in Revelation that he's going to wipe our tears when we see him face to face. And that's such a beautiful thing, so that, that helps me not... Or, or, or come to the understanding or, or the conclusion that we are going to be having tears, but he's going to wipe our tears. Amen. And, and I don't know what that's going to be, but I think it's just going to be the realization that he is. That the great I am is putting his arms around you and hopefully he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That should bring tears to your eyes. Those arms wrapped around you. That leads me to the um, title of this message tonight, Meaningful Worship. Meaningful Worship. Worship, by human definition, is the act of showing extravagant admiration and devotion to another because of the divine impression that that object or that person has put on your heart. Worship, by God's definition, when we look at it in the entirety of the Bible, is simply a spiritual connection in your spirit. A spiritual connection in your spirit based based on the truth and the reality of Jesus. The reality of Jesus. Revealed, revealed, capture this, revealed through one's life and devotion. Revealed through one's life and devotion. So worship is revealed through one's life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, please get me through this. Please. <clears throat> so nervous. <clears throat> Lord, may your spirit just take over. May your spirit teach us. May your spirit lead us. May your spirit guide us. May your spirit convict us in ways that we've never been convicted before to teach us all about you, to bring us the revelation of your son, to bring us the revelation of you, to cause reality in our hearts, to cause wonder in our hearts, to deepen our relationship, to inspire worship, to make this place, this church, your place, your holy ground. Make it holy, please. Thank you so much, Jesus. Please, may your Holy Spirit fill us. Please, may your Holy Spirit lead and guide. Use these words or just speak through me. Speak through me, please. Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1. You're probably going, why is he going to Leviticus? This guy is nuts for even trying to go through there. Leviticus chapter 1. Now, this book is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. And, and the reason being is because it's a book, really, that God shows a people who He is and that He's called these people His own. And He shows them how He should be regarded because He's a holy God. One of the key verses in, in this book is, I am holy, therefore be holy. That is one of the key verses in this book and we need to understand that. That holiness of who God is. How He enraptures our hearts and causes us to have humility. And causes us to worship Him. 
because of His holiness. And then we understand our unworthiness and we see Him and His worthiness and want to cry out to Him and be led by the true and only God, Father of the universe. That's why this book just captures my soul. There's all kinds of other things in it too. But I mean, I think it can be captured in one phrase, how to worship a holy God. That's what this book is all entitled about. Now we get all mixed up and we hear pastors and teachers teach about all the sacrificial offerings and we go, oh, that's yucky. We don't want that. We don't want that. That's, that's the old law. That's the law. That, that has nothing to do with Jesus. Yes, it does. It has everything to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with where you're at right now. It has everything to do with the New Testament. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have Jesus and who he was supposed to be and what he did for us. That's what's so beautiful about this book. When you see that spiritual connection with the sacrifices. And tonight, I only want to talk about one offering, and that's the burnt offering. The burnt offering. Now, when you go through this book, there's three elements of the sacrifice. Now, the three elements of the sacrifice isn't the, 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 what I'm capturing here in this chapter, but I want you to listen to this. There's three elements of sacrifice in which God is, is showing His people here. And what it all relates to in sacrifice and what it all relates to in Jesus, and when we see it in the New Testament revealed in, in the book of Hebrews. Three, three elements. Consecration, meaning a dedication for God's use. When somebody comes to the Lord in the Old Testament, God, that was a part of consecration. When you wanted to worship Him, you came to Him because you were dedicating your life to Him. Because of His holiness. Because of the great work that He's done. Because of His faithfulness. And also because of this book, because He called them. He called them. The first verse, look at here. Now the Lord called to Moses and he spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, the Israelites, the Jews consider this book called, and he called, and he called. I think that's important for us to understand. Why? Because he called you and I. He's called us. And now we have a responsibility. Are we going to answer that call, receive that call? How are we going to respond to it? So Jesus, or excuse me, God the Father is communicating to Moses now how to answer the call of worship. And that first element is consecration. The second elephant is, not elephant, element. <laughs> Expiation. Expiation. In other words, a covering of a sin. Atonement. That's another element in this whole entire worship thing. God is a holy God. He wants to cleanse stuff. He wants to renew stuff. That's what he does. He wants holiness. His standard is holiness. Now we're all unperfect, aren't we? But we have Jesus Christ. We have a perfect example. We have a way. We have truth. The third element, propipi... I'm sorry, my, my mouth is dry. Propitiation. Propitiation. These are lofty words, aren't they? I, I, you know, it's like I get all hung up on these lofty words sometimes. I'm like, ooh, you know, but, but understand them in the simplicity and what they are, please. And I'm trying to simplify that for you. Propitiation. A satisfaction of divine anger or wrath. The mercy seat. That's basically what mercy was. Satisfying that anger, God having mercy on you, not giving you what you deserve. 
That's what mercy was. That's what that propitiation was. We see that word in chapter 3 of Romans. That's where we get our justification from that propitiation. Now, I want you to understand and I want your hearts to start being stirred because this chapter draws you to a special person. A special person who reveals this chapter in its entirety and also all of the sacrificial offerings, which is a beautiful picture. It's bloody, but it's beauty. The other elements, or excuse me, not elements, but what encapsulated the perspective or perspective of the worshiper when he came to the Lord in all of this. And there's three of those perspectives that he had when he came. Love, 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 or devotion. Because he was so inspired by God. We see that with who? Noah. We see that the first sacrifice was with, with Abel. He sacrificed in faith. And we understand the definition of faith is understanding the reality that God is. What does that mean? That God is the I am, that God is the existing one, that he exists and that he is true and that he is real and that he is faithful and that he will fulfill everything he says. That's why Abel's sacrifice was so beautiful and Cain wasn't. It's because Cain didn't offer it in faith. His attitude of his heart was somewhere else. He rejected God. And then we have Noah. The beauty of Noah's sacrifice. What did he, why did he do that? After he got off the ark, the, the Lord flooded the earth and he got off the ark. And then what? He, the, the waters receded, came to the earth and he came on the ground. He got out of the ark. The first thing he did was what? He built an offer and offered those sacrifices to the Lord. And the Lord said, that was a pleasing aroma to me. Why? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, because it was in faith. It was in faith. He responded in such a way in his heart because he loved God. He responded to God because of this impact in his life, because the faithfulness that God revealed to him, because he realized who he was, that he existed, that he was the eternal one, the I am. That is so beautiful. The third one, I'm not going to go keep going on because you can just keep going on with all these. But the third one was what? Abraham. He did the same thing when he established a covenant. That covenant of faith. And he offered that burnt offering. And guess what? Abraham didn't even see the promise yet. But he realized, hey, God's taken me out. He's calling me. And this is my offering to him. So you see these burnt offerings before Leviticus was even written, before the law was even instituted, before God even say, this is how you worship me. He had to do this for his people. He had to provide a way of reconciliation. And this was the way at this time. The second perspective that the the, the worshiper had was commitment. Commitment. He was committed and devoted to God because of that. That's what a burnt offering recognized or was represented. It was committed for that service. That brings me to the third perspective, which is service. Service. So you see the perspective of the worshiper with those three elements in mind. It's the attitude of the heart. Okay. 
Now I need to slow down. So now there's three elements in this chapter. There's three elements in this chapter that build up to this perspective of that worshiper. And the first one is free will. Free will. Second one is personal. And the third one is attitude. Let's look. Verse 1. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting. It's a beautiful thing to be able to hear from the Lord directly like that. And here he is communicating now from what God is going to speak to the nation of Israel. Verse 2, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when anyone brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. Free will. When somebody came as a, to bring an offering, that was because there was something going on stirring in their heart. It was a stirring of this faith to come and give something and offer something to the Lord because this debt that they had. Because they wanted to give back something. Because of this, this holiness, of this encounter, this relationship now, this, this worshiper, this person had with God, they wanted to offer Him something. Free will. Look at verse 3. If His offering is a burnt sacrifice... Burnt sacrifice of the herd. Let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. So now we need to understand what the whole burnt offering was. Basically, in one sense, and all and everything that it means, it means to go up or to offer up. That's what it means in the Hebrew. To offer up. Okay, it literally meant an offering of one's life. That's what the burnt offering represented. It was, I was going to offer my life to you, Lord, and this is what I want to give you. This is the best of my flock. It wasn't out of force. It wasn't out of force. God does not force you to worship Him. His holiness does something to your heart. It stirs you in such a way where you want to worship Him, where you have a free will inside of you. Your will is so stirred that you want to do that. You lay yourself down. That's basically what that was. Here you are, Lord. Take this. This burnt offering. Let Him offer a burnt sacrifice. Let Him offer a male without blemish. A male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So this is the rational response of this worshiper coming to the Lord in his heart. There's no ulterior motives here. There's no ulterior motives. It's such a free will offering. It's his. It's for you, Lord. I want you to have everything of me. That's basically what it represented again. But look at what it says. A burnt offering of his, of the herd. Let him offer a male without blemish. Now we often wonder, why is it a male? Well, when we look ahead, who is that best offering? Who is that male offering for us? We see that picture in this sacrifice, don't we? You see that picture of Jesus all over this. 
but he shall offer it at his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Other translations don't even put own free will in here. Okay, the King James Bible and the New King James Bible are the only ones that put it in there. The other ones put it in there and say that they are supposed to go to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. In other words, that is the acceptable way. They were so, they wanted to do this in their heart because they wanted to do it out of their own free will and go straight to God with it. It means the same thing. They just left that word out, free will. And it was all inspired by love. All inspired by love. Verse 4. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Here is the second element. Personal. This offering was so personal. It was very personal. It was personal up and close. And I think that's, that's how God wants to be worshipped. He wants it personal. He wants it real. What do you think Jesus was talking about at the woman of the well? Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth. It had to be personal. It had to be real. And it had to be in truth. But God was so interested in the personal relationship. He wanted it to be personal in this burnt offering. Look at what he says here. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. In other words, this animal was a substitute for you. This animal was going to die for you in your place. That's what it meant by putting your hand on him. It's like this animal is me, Lord. It's perfect. It's without blemish. It's from the best of my herd. It's everything I got. And it's for you. Take it. That's what it was all about. That substitute. You see how personal that is? You see how real that is? You see how in depth that is? You see how grabbing in the gut? Because he wants that. He wants that to you to realize what it means, what it costs to worship. It's not something that we come here on Wednesday nights. I mean, if you're here on Wednesday nights, you're doing pretty well. It, but just coming on Sunday night, Sundays and that's it. It's living this life in its entirety. Whatever it looks like, I have no idea. Maybe it's just Sundays and just you live so holy all through the week. You're doing other stuff. I have no idea. I just use that as an example. So please don't, 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 don't quote me on that. But I'm just trying to use that as an example. It's personal. It's real. Let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it at his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 4. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. In other words, that was the substitute. And here's another personal aspect. And it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement. To make atonement. We just talked about a covering. A covering of sin. Basically, you can simplify this word in, 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 in three um, conjunctions here. At one mint. That's how I simplify it. At one mint. Atonement, at one mint. What that means is now you're brought back at one relationship with God. At one mint. 
your relationship is stored, restored. It's back to where it needs to be. That was this personal thing because that's what was so personal about this offering. That atonement, bringing them back together with the Lord, that reconciliation. Where is that word used? All over in Romans, isn't it? Chapter 5 is just permeated with that reconciliation. The blood of Jesus. We are reconciled through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, we are saved. We are saved through his life. In other words, his lifetime is what that word means. His offering. It will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement. Look at verse 5. Here's another. He's getting really personal now with this. Look at this. Verse 5. He shall kill. Who shall kill? The guy who brought the worshiper. The guy who brought this offering. He's going to kill him. I don't know if you ever wrung a chicken's head off or done anything like that. It takes a little bit of nerve to do that. I think Tanner talked about that a while back, right? It takes a lot of nerve to do that. I know you've done it. He did it at my house. I was, I was gone on a fire and one of my chickens were just out of control. So he had to come over and wring its neck. But when you do that, man, there's some kind of spiritual connection going on with your heart, isn't there? Now think about this. See how personal this is? You're laying your hand on this animal and now you're going to slit its throat. Now you're going to kill it. And that blood is going to be shed. Check this out in verse 5. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. So you're doing this, in other words, and the priest, and you're doing this in front of him saying, Lord, this is me. I'm offering myself to you every bit of me. I'm going to die to myself so you can have every bit of me. That's the spiritual connection there. That's the spiritual connection there. And the priest, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar and by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So here it is, a bloody mess, isn't it? A bloody mess. You see how personal this is? You see how real this is? This is what God's trying to to get us to understand what it means to worship and what the cost of the worship was and what the cost of the relationship now is. Now we understand from the book of Hebrews that the blood of bulls and all of these sacrifices cannot take away sin. Now we understand from that, that also from that passage that it was only a covering for that specific time period. But the big covering of the shedding of blood was to come and that was through Jesus Christ. That shedding of blood. That was to make that perfect atonement. You see all this killing? You see how all this personal relationship with the Lord goes on and the cost? It's meaningful worship. Meaningful worship. Verse 6. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. Whoa. He's being totally detailed here. Skin it and then cut it into pieces. If you guys are deer hunters, you know about that stuff. You know about hunting. That's what you had to do. And if you're deer hunters and you gut the deer, you know how personal that... I know a guy who um, is from Oregon. He's an elk hunter. And this guy, I mean, he's, he's intense. He's more intense than me. 
But when, when you, when, when he would tell me, it was like he was being one with this elk when he was out there gutting it and skinning it. You know, because that was going to feed his family. So there's this like spiritual connection going on inside of him. There was no hocus pocus stuff, but it was, but he, he saw how that personal um, reaction was with this, with this animal that God had just given him to feed his family. So here God is so detailed, he wants him to skin it, cut it into pieces. Verse seven, the sons of Aaron, the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. You ever wonder why he says that, lay the wood in order? I think it's because, you know, because I'm a fireman, so this is how I think. Because when you do lay wood in order and you have it in a specific way, what is it going to cause? It's going to cause that natural reaction to fire and to burn and to continue to burn. But look at this, all the spiritual connection. Put it on the fire and the wood in order. Verse 8. Then the priest Aaron's sons shall lay the parts, the parts, the head and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. Verse 9. But he shall wash it, wash its entrails and its legs with water. Look at that. He shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. God is concerned with the inner parts. Everything in this offering was offered and consumed. This offering is also considered the whole offering because everything about it was consumed. You see the relationship or the correlation with our lives? Every bit of us is offered to the Lord. God wants every bit of our hearts. Not some of it here and some of it there, but every bit of it. He's considered, he's concerned with the inner parts, the innards. To the Jew, that's where the seat of emotions were at. Right here, your guts. I know you've read the Psalms and you hear David talk about his loins and all that stuff. That's because his, it was groaning inside. That's where that seat of emotion began. Worship is about emotion. It's true emotion though true emotion. It's a reaction because of this holiness of God that's encountered in your life. And that's what God's trying to, trying to get through to these people to, to get them to understand how he's to be regarded and how he's to be worshipped. Now you've got to understand this book was right after what? Exodus. He just did a mighty work in the children of Israel. He just brought them out of Exodus and just showed his glory up on Mount Sinai all the thunderings and the lightnings and just, you know, just put establishing fear and wonder in these people. And some of them are like going, ah, don't touch me, you know, because they were, they were realizing their unworthiness. But he was showing them all as their glory. And he was with them day and night through the wilderness. He was leading and guiding them. And then he gives them this beautiful book, how to worship or how to regard a holy God. It's beautiful. Where are we at? Verse 9. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Do you see? Again, he is so interested. That sweet aroma, it's pleased with it. He's pleased with the inner parts. The innards. Every bit of you. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. 
this kind of gives you an idea of what this whole burnt offering or this life sacrifice is all about. Verse 12, Paul goes on just after he just gives a whole understanding of the gospel and now your natural response. He says, I beseech you. In other words, I beg you, brethren, to understand this. Therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. In other words, when you come to understand this whole um, um, reaction, this whole encounter with the Lord, the only natural response or the only reasonable response, it comes from the word logos. It comes from that root word logos. But it's to realize in your mind the truth and have a response to the Lord and just give your life over to Him. That's what He's saying there. I beseech you therefore, brethren, Give me your entire, give him your entire life, every bit of it, no matter what, no matter pain and suffering, no matter glory, no matter what, give it all to him. There's a story about, uh, the sickness of a woman and redemption of a husband. I think I might have mentioned this before. The sickness of a woman and the redemption of the husband. This young fellow, I remember years ago, he was telling me, you know, here he's restored from the Lord. His marriage was restored. His marriage was restored. It was a horrible marriage and it was reconciled. But God still wasn't done with them. He did offer his life up as a living sacrifice. She did also. She was also saved. So these two, living, giving their lives over, worshiping with everything they got inside. And the wife is struck with sickness to the point where she's bedridden for at least two months. She comes down with some kind of disease called Graves' disease and she's sitting there and her husband's just recently saved, giving his life over to him. The husband is just impacted by the Lord. What was he doing in all of this? What was he doing? What was he trying to establish in all of this? He was trying to establish some kind of personal relationship and to understand the faithfulness of God and what the cost is to worship a holy God and to prove another thing. Listen to this. So that whole time he, he was, she was bedridden for at least two months, he told me he was by her side on that bed praying with her. He took off from work for two months to be with her. This man never done that before, he told me. His whole life was rearranged by the holiness of the Lord. Two months. This was a wretched dude. He worshiped God with everything he had, but this wasn't coming to his mind. It was he was seeing his wife on his bed and he was praying to the holy God and saying, Lord, please do something here. Do something. That's worship. That is worship in its entirety, man. No matter what it is, suffering, pain, happiness, glory, whatever the case, richness, poor, it's all the same when you are steadfast to the Lord and you're on your face. That's what this burnt offering is all about. To understand the personal relationship, to understand the cost of now putting your hand on this poor animal, slicing his throat and seeing the blood. You see the spiritual connection? You see all that stuff going and you see it all. 
I know when I see things, my heart responds more to it. This was a bloody mess. Let's go on, verse 10. If his offering is of the flocks, of the sheep, or the goats, as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. So now he's talking of the different herd. You see how he provides for everything? Every class of people. If you don't have bulls, you got sheep, bring sheep. Every class of people can worship the Lord. That is so beautiful. It doesn't matter whether you're poor, rich, whatever, laying in the street and you're living in a cardboard box or living in a tent in the wash down there, you can still worship the Lord. Wherever you're at. Verse 11. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. In the book of Hebrews, the reason for this was because the blood cleanses. Because the blood consecrates. And like I said before, God is interested in cleansing and holiness and purity. This whole sacrifice being offered in faith was a pure sacrifice. Was a real sacrifice. Verse um, 12, and he shall cut it into pieces. Here he goes again with its head and its fat on the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. Verse 13, but he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water and then the priest shall bring it all and burn it on the altar. It's a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by sweet aroma or made by fire a sweet aroma to the lord now if we go to chapter 6 of leviticus you don't have to turn there just listen but god gives the law of the burnt offering now this offering too he keeps going over and over about fire a continual fire and chapter 6 of leviticus he talks about a continual fire in the courts of the tabernacle of meeting and that continual fire constantly burning day and night and that burnt offering on that fire That was supposed to be a reminder of our lives given over to the Lord. Our consecration. Our atonement. That was that reminder of that fire continually burning in our hearts for Him. So you see this, how it's been repeated over and over about fire and about laying this thing on the altar and about cutting into the pieces. You see how He's so detailed and He repeats it over and over about every sacrifice that is supposed to be brought to Him. Look at this on verse uh, 14. And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. So remember, I made reference to God makes a, a way for everyone to worship. This was a poor offering. The people who didn't have anything of the herds or anything like that could come and bring birds. But we see that with Mary. We see that offering with Mary. She did the same thing. She brought turtle doves. But he, we, God makes a way for everyone to worship Him. Verse 15, The priest shall bring it to the altar. Here's another personal perspective of this whole worship fact. 
He shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. Verse 16. And he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the places of the ashes. You see how detailed he is? With all of this of your life. He's so detailed with our lives like this. He knows every bit of it. He's so detailed with these sacrifices. He's so detailed. He's so personal. He's so intimate with all of this. Verse 16 or verse 17. Then he shall split it, the wings. He shall split it as its wings, but not shall not divide it completely. Shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. Now, my only guess why he, they, they, that God does not want him to completely slice that bird down the middle is because God wants to take care of the rest of that covenant. Okay, he wants to slice the rest of it. You put it on the altar, let the fire do it, and I'll cut the rest of this deal. That's kind of what he did with Abraham, if you remember that. He came through after that vision Abraham had. He came through and he had all those sacrifices laid out. And he said the same thing with the pigeons. He said, hey, just cut them down the middle, but don't cut it all the way through. And then he came through with like a a torch of an oven. He came through and he cut the deal. He finished that covenant. It was an unconditional covenant. He says, I'm going to grant you this. I'm going to be establish this covenant and it's going to be an unconditional covenant. Unconditional. It's always here for you, Abraham. You just believe. Believe in me. That's that unconditional love Jesus has for us, isn't it? The third and final element. Attitude. Let's look at this. The last part of verse 17. It is a burnt sacrifice. A burnt sacrifice. An offering made by fire. A sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, he repeats this three times about being a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, I doubt, I'm sure it smelled good because it was some, you know, good barbecue stuff. I'm, I, I'm sure that, 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 that plays a part in it. But I don't think that is the spiritual connection here. Do you? I don't think he was saying, oh, this is good barbecue, guys. Keep bringing more. He doesn't need to eat. He's eternal God. He doesn't need to eat. What did this mean? A sweet aroma to the Lord. And the the, the essence of this, it meant that it was pleasing. It brought satisfaction to the Lord. It was satisfying. It was pleasing. It was satisfying. Now think, where do we hear that in the New Testament? What is so pleasing to the Lord besides His Son? What is so pleasing to the Lord? Hebrews chapter 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to please Him. This offering was supposed to be given in faith. Now you kind of understand why... uh, Samuel got so upset with Saul. Hey man, what are you doing? You were supposed to be offering sacrifices. You were supposed to be obeying. Obedience comes out of faith. 
Now you understand why Abel's faith was more accepted than Cain's. It's always been about faith. Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews tells that what? The children of old, children of Israel couldn't enter in because... But before that, I'm sorry. Before that, it says the gospel was preached to those in the wilderness. But they couldn't enter into the promised land because it wasn't mixed with faith. In other words, they didn't have the same mindset as the rest of the folks did in faith because some of them did have faith. Do you see how this essence and all this meaningful worship on how the essence of it is all in faith? That's what this was pointing to. Something greater, something bigger. But the whole thing of it, it was pleasing. It was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the reason why is because this was a faith offering dedicating my life, giving my life up to you, Lord. One of the great examples that we have of this too is Paul in the letter to the Philippians. He was always offering his life, wasn't he? His whole life was a burnt offering. When you look at how that that man lived, but he wrote this to the Philippians, he said, if he was being poured out as a drink offering for the sacrifice and service of the faith, of their faith, he would be glad and rejoice with them all. In other words, if, he was, if his whole life was to be given over for that one purpose so they would know and understand God, then he would rejoice. That was his purpose. His whole purpose, his whole entire life was a burnt offering for the sole purpose of the gospel. It was. You see how that man was guided by the Holy Spirit. You see how that man was just, he was a selfless man. I mean, he, was, he, was, he had some faults and he admitted that. But he wanted to be led by the Spirit so bad. And every bit of his, his whole purpose in his ministry was so that they would know Jesus and that he would know that in them. That was the heart of a pastor. That's what a pastor loves when he knows that his flock knows Jesus. <clears throat> the conclusion in this all. I'm not keeping you over like I did last time I preached here. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep this short. But the conclusion of this all is Jesus and the essence of all of this is Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is this whole burnt offering. I gave you those three elements. The free will. The free will, personal, and attitude. Then I also gave you the perspective of a worshiper, love, commitment, and service. Doesn't that speak of Jesus? That totally speaks of Jesus. So when you read this book, you get this spiritual symbolism in these offerings taken from the book of Hebrews. Because when you look at this, you can't just spiritualize the text if it doesn't say it somewhere else in another text. You've got to understand that rule of thumb. That's comparing Scripture with Scripture. But when you look at the book of Hebrews, I, I, I encourage you to read that book because it's a commentary on this book and the Old Testament. All the sacrificial offerings because I believe, well, one of the guys who wrote this book was writing to this group of believers because they were still trusting in the Old Testament sacrifices. And he was saying, no, you can't do that. That was a shadow of things to come. That spoke of something greater. But when you read this book and you read Hebrews 
You see the spiritual connection of the sacrificial approach to God that correlates with Jesus as our ultimate sacrifice. You can't miss it. You see him all through this book. Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to this, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10. This is the writer writing to these guys and he's saying, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. He's talking about the law, all these sacrifices, all the Levitical laws and all of those things that, that, that God gave His people. He said, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So in other words, these sacrifices that God instituted with His people were for a time period. Bringing something greater. A shadow of something greater to come. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? In other words, He's saying, Hey, then they would have stopped offering. They wouldn't have had to keep doing them all the time. Because we know through this book, and we know through the law, That this was a continual thing, year by year, day by day, they had to do these things. Verse 2, for the worshipers once purified, he's still talking in the rhetorical sense, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. In other words, these sacrifices would have wiped everything out. There would have been no need for them. God is so mysterious how he does these things. He instituted a way for a a period of time to get the the worshiper to look forward to something greater to come. Isn't that what he does for us today? He does that in our hearts and minds with the steadfastness of his love, with the faithfulness of his love. He gets us to that point or that point of hope to look forward to that great day when Jesus appears and we can see him face to face. It's the same thing, but different aspect, different level. Now we're looking for the end of that salvation and the start of a new relationship in heaven. Or a more, or more exemplified relationship, I should say. Look at verse 4 or verse 3. But in those sacrifices, I'm going back, I'm in Hebrews right now. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Okay, here's the meat of this. Verse 5 through 10. Therefore, when he came into the world, who? Jesus. He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Verse 6. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of this book, the book of the law, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Now he explains it. The writer explains it. Previously saying in verse 8, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Verse 9, and he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. So he's explaining this. Listen up. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He takes away the first. No longer need to do that. And he establishes a second. Verse 10. 
by that will, we have been sanctified. We have been set apart. That whole, that whole message in that of being consecrated and dedicated. Now we're sanctified through the offering of the body. Okay, now he's bringing it home. Of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Understand that. He's the burnt offering. He's the essence of this sacrifice. This is what it was all about. This is what they were all waiting for. This was the picture of this ultimate sacrifice. It should bring you right to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave. That word gave is the same word as for a burnt offering, to give up, to offer up. He offered Him up. That word means also to offer up for our interest. For our interest. That so whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life so god you see that picture with abraham and isaac now you see it in his full full picture with who jesus or the father and jesus god giving up his son and the other beauty to that the other beauty to that that speaks of the burnt offering jesus by his own free will gave up his own life his own life he put down his hierarchy he put down everything that he, that he was supposed to get. That relationship with the Father. Everything so he could give his life for us. That was the essence of the burnt offering. Why do, I, why do I teach that? Why do I bring this to our attention? Because the burnt offering was personal. It was real. And it wanted to create an attitude in the worshiper's heart. That's what God's intention was to bring, to let Jesus come here and give his life over so you wouldn't have a relationship with him so that you would know him. That's what John chapter 17, verse three says. That's the whole essence of salvation is to know the only one and true God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this. Lord, I pray that uh, in all this, you have spoken clearly. And whatever I said that was uh, dishonoring to you, please let it die right here and, and, and never come alive again. And I pray that uh, the, the whole essence of, of this, Lord, would establish a um, new meaning of, of our relationship with you. Meaningful worship. Please bless these people, Lord. Please give them all they need to know you. I thank you and I praise you and I pray you would just please um, just accept this offering of worship right now. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.